I've got only just a few minutes uh, to speak a word to you that I believe the Holy Spirit has given me for today. Um, before I do that, you may have received a handout as you came in. If you did not receive one of our handouts and would like to receive one now, hold your hands up in the air and our ushers will be happy to bring one to you. So keep your hands up until they have delivered it to you. These are, uh, uh, this is something that we use in our life group ministry. Several life groups that are meeting in various uh, places uh, have an opportunity to kind of talk about the things that they heard on Sunday, things they've learned, and I know that the subject will go beyond this handout uh, this week, uh, as you may have a conversation about um, living a life that's worth the life that he gave you, amen, powerful. I want to deliver a message to you today, and I, it is my intent to be as brief as possible, so uh, just give me that grace for just a couple of minutes. And the title of this message may cause a little bit of tension in some, and that's all right. Um, I like things that cause a little bit of tension. But the title of the message is Stop Focusing on Sin. Stop Focusing on Sin. Would you bow your heads with me as I pray over this message? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for, the, for delivering this to my heart and to my spirit. Give me your strength, and your anointing to deliver it to each person today. May it not be my thoughts, but your thoughts, and not my words, but your words. Open every ear to hear, every mind to understand, and every heart to receive the things that you are teaching us. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? amen. You know, we're often so obsessed with our sins that we lose sight of one of the most important things in our life. We're often so focused on our sins that we lose sight of the righteousness that we have through the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. And friends, there's no freedom uh, when you live, as a, live your Christian life focused on what you do wrong. There's no real freedom living a Christian life where for years through churches and pastors and preachers you've been hammered to believe you have to be perfect you have to be perfect somehow and can never measure up to that perfection because none of us in our human earth suit can match up to that idea of perfection we don't understand that that perfection was done by Christ at the cross of Calvary in our spirit but we still got an earth suit that's often a mess. We have a mind that has clearly got a lot of stinking thinking. And a lot of things have to be transformed and renewed in our lives. We, we hinder our walk with God. We actually hobble our walk with Father God when we always see ourselves through our shortcomings. If we constantly are focusing on our faults and our failures and our shortcomings, it, it is a complete hindrance to a free Christian life. And we're always going to have faults. <laughs> we're always going to have failures. We're always going to have to deal with various sins. But that's just a part of life. It's a part of life in this earth suit. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. All. All 
have sinned. Newsflash, and this is number one on your handout, God doesn't view us through the lens of our faults. He doesn't view us through the lens of our failures. He doesn't look at us through the view, through the lens of our sins. He sees us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his righteousness that we receive the moment we believe. That's how God sees us. It's unfortunate that we don't see ourselves in that same light. Romans chapter 3, verse 22 says, The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. See, that's what you have. Interesting that verse 22 says, The righteousness, this is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And then immediately following that in verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When we focus on our sins then it puts us in this vicious cycle of perpetual condemnation. And it hinders every facet of our life. When we live our Christian life through a position of condemnation, self-condemnation, self-abasement, it absolutely hinders and works against literally every facet of our life. When we if we could, if we could ever grasp this to focus on our righteousness, the righteousness that you have in Christ Jesus through the finished work of Jesus Christ, you're able to see beyond any of the measures of your shortcomings to see what you can become in Christ. There's a song from, I don't know, way back probably in maybe 70s or 80s, uh, that the lyrics of this song say it perfectly. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise, for it was grace that bought and brought my liberty. I'll never know just why he came to love me so, but he looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. I shall forever lift my eyes to Calvary to view the cross where Jesus died for me and how marvelous the grace that caught my falling soul. He looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. That's how he looks at you. That's what he believes about you. Me. Remember this, and this is number two on your handout, that focusing on your sins will breed condemnation, and we're not to live a life of condemnation. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We need to understand what the Apostle Paul is truly writing to us in the epistles. We've cherry-picked specific verses for so long that if preachers can keep people in a perpetual state of con condemnation, they can keep them more attached to what they believe their lifeline to be, the church. And I love the church, but that's not my lifeline. My lifeline is Christ. My lifeline is what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary. Romans, if you'll turn your Bible with me to Romans chapter 4, I want to read a, a few verses here. Romans chapter 4, what then shall we say that Abraham our forefather according to the flesh is found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. 
Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. And here's the verse I really want to focus on for a minute or two. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Blessed is the person whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Guess guess who this verse is referring to? It's referring to you. It's referring to me. It's referring to anyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ and the gift that we've received of his righteousness on the cross of Calvary. That our sins are not accounted against us. You are blessed, it says. You are blessed man whose sins are not taken into account. You are a blessed woman whose sins are not taken into account. That are not counted against you. Some of us, some of you have trouble living for God because you're so worried about the fact that you have some kind of sin issue present in your life. And it's usually not a sin issue that anybody knows about except for you. But it keeps haunting you, and it kind of hides in the background of your life, and it keeps telling you deep inside, you're just not good enough. You'll never measure up, that you're not living up to God's standards, so why try so hard? I just, I looked at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 in light of that statement that I just said to you, and it had a new light on it to me. It says, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangled us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes, putting our focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. I can't lay aside the sins while I'm remembering the sins. All right? And nothing in our earth suit, no time in this earth suit while we're breathing and our heart is beating, are we ever going to truly be sinless? There was only one. His name was Jesus. But we focus on our sinfulness when he's saying to lay aside that focus because it's an encumbrance. To your life. It's a hindrance to your life to live your life focused on your sins. He says, instead, focus on the author of your salvation and put your faith in what Jesus Christ did at the cross of Calvary. <clears throat> For years, I've read that scripture like I got these sins in my life that are constantly tripping me up. And so I'm kind of just always focused on getting my feet untangled. Instead of recognize that what he's saying is stop focusing on that and focus on the author of your salvation, the perfecter of your faith. You are not perfect. He's the perfecter of your faith. All of us know what sin issue we have, and we're not denying its existence, but we must deny its right to be a catalyst of our life, to somehow dictate our thinking and our focus Number three on your papers, we have to choose a righteousness mindset, not a sin mindset. It's time for us to begin to choose a righteousness mindset, not not holier than thou, 
Because your righteousness, your personal righteousness is like filthy rags. It's not worth a hill of beans. But the righteousness that you have through Christ Jesus is what qualifies you. It's what makes you who you are. I know what's in me. You know what's in you. I know what's in me, you know what's in you, but I declare that I also know that who's in me is greater than what's in me. Can I get a better amen from somebody? Somebody's about to receive some freedom today. <coughs> Turn with me to 1 John, please. I know what's in me, but I know that who's in me is greater than what's in me. First John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and you have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know, here it is, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Oh, it's been so way too long, folks, that us Christian people have not been living in the spirit of truth. We've been believing a lie. And don't recognize it as a spirit of error in, my, in your life and in my life. I'm a witness to this. The spirit of truth says that you are the righteousness of God, whether you believe it or not. The spirit of truth says that your sins are forgiven. The spirit of truth says that your sins are forgotten. The spirit of error will always say that you're not good enough, that you're not accepted. The spirit of error will always say that you're not commended by God, that, but that you're condemned by God. And friends, that is a lie from the pits of hell. John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. Most of us know all of John 3, 16. Even the guy with the weird hair at the, in the goalpost in the football games holds up the sign. John 3, 16. But listen to this in its context. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. God didn't come to judge you. He came to save you. He came to impart his righteousness upon you. The spirit of error says that you are condemned and that you are judged. I've come to exhort you today, and this is number four, to exhort you to quit focusing on your sin and to encourage you to start focusing on your righteousness, that righteousness that you have through Christ Jesus. Stop focusing on your sin. Wait, what? 
Pastor, are you saying it's okay to sin? I'm so glad you asked. Because the apostle Paul would say, God forbid. In fact, let's go there to Romans chapter 6. All right, hang tight. You can either listen to me preach or listen to me read the Bible. I can tell you which one's better. (laughs) Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. I hope you all are hearing. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. No longer death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin. I don't know of a Christian that I've met yet who actually considers themselves to be dead to sin. We got some fixing to do all up in here. So consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. Everybody say, its lust. I'll be talking about that in a week or two. Verse 13, and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of the righteousness of God or of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you. For you're not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? May it never be. Remember, I'm just answering your question. Are you saying it's all right to sin? Do you not know that when you, were, when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed, and having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. What a terminology that each of us ought to learn to put on. I am speaking in human terms, verse 19, because of the weakness of your flesh. 
For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in future, further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness, resulting in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now having been freed from sin and now enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. I'm not saying it's okay to sin. We have to recognize that as long as we're in this earth suit with this, th this brain up here, we are going to battle and have a war with the carnal nature. But that's not where our focus ought to be. We shouldn't let that dictate who we are in Christ because who we are in Christ is his righteousness because of what he did at the cross of Calvary, not the things that I do wrong. That does not identify me. It doesn't identify you. What I am saying is stop living your life through the filter of sin and start living your life through the reality of righteousness. I wish more people would recognize that they are clothed in righteousness instead of dredged in sin. You're free from sin, but I'm still battling. Well, you'll battle it all your life. But quit seeing yourself through that filter. Start seeing yourself through the righteousness that you've gotten in Christ Jesus, and you will find yourself being victorious more and more and more and more and more over this earth suit and over this negative thinking. <clears throat> we need to stop allowing our thoughts to constantly be on what we're not doing well enough. We need to stop focusing on what we're not doing right enough and start focusing on what Jesus did well enough, right enough, and perfect enough, and complete enough. That's where we need to put our focus. Stop focusing on sin. Coming to a close. 12, 11. We need to put our focus, and I've only been preaching this for I don't know how many years, over 20, but I'm just coming into a revelation and a realization of what it really means. We need to put our focus, our attention on the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. We need to set our hearts on what he did well enough, on what he did right enough. In closing, God is calling us to reinterpret every ounce of our thinking and our thought life in light of what he has declared about us, not what Satan has declared about you, not what your parents have declared about you, not what uh, your friends or enemies have declared about you, but what Jesus has declared about you. He has announced that you are a new creation. Oh, we can quote 2 Corinthians 5.17 all we want, but not many of us have a true understanding of what it means to recognize that you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He has announced that you're a new creation. 
He's announced that you're a child of God with a new heart. He's announced that you're a child of God with a new spirit. He's announced that you're a child of God with new desires and new hopes. And literally, you're a child of God with His spirit living on the inside of you. God's not pretending that your salvation is real. I can't tell you the number of people that I've talked to. They went, I don't know if I'm really saved. He isn't pretending that your state of being born again isn't real. God's not pretending that you have a new heart. God's not pretending that your righteousness isn't real. God's not pretending. He, the fact that he calls us his righteousness is actually true. It's the spirit of truth. When will we, children of God, believe that? The righteousness that you have in Christ Jesus won't be worth a hill of beans if you won't own it. That's right. If you won't own it. We put it off in some file system of possible truths. Not really realities. After all, I'm not really righteous because look at my life. So it's often this file of possible truths. Maybe, maybe not. It becomes useless to us as long as it's in that file system. Because that's when we get, begin to sh- focus on our shortcomings. <laughs> I got plenty, you got plenty, or are you perfect? We begin to focus on our faults. I got plenty, you got plenty? Or we begin to focus on our sins. I got plenty, you got plenty? I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of living there. I'm discovering after all these years, and not just years of being a Christian, but now a quarter of a century of pastoring, what it truly means to be free from Rick, from Rick. Because <laughs> Rick always seems to get in the way. Are you ready to truly be free? And when you focus on your sins, when you focus on your failures and your faults, that's when you lay out a welcome mat of condemnation. And you live a life now condemned while quoting, there is therefore now no condemnation. You don't know what to believe. Gail, I'm finally born again. (laughs) Hallelujah. And number five on your paper, the freedom that's found in this God-given gift of righteousness is the greatest gift of all. All we need to do is own it. Take ownership of it. Stop focusing on your sin and start focusing on the righteousness that you have in Christ Jesus If you can believe that and receive it today, would you give the Lord a praise in the house of God? Come on, give him a good praise. Give him a good praise. Not me, give him a good praise. You're the righteousness of of God in Christ Jesus. You've been made free. You've been made clean. You are forgiven. You are, all your sins are forgotten. Every one of them. Hallelujah.
No weapon formed or fashioned against you shall prosper. And I've finally come to admit that my worst, the weapon that worst that was, the weapon that most commonly prospered against me was my own stinking thinking. I'm going to start living my life through the filter of the righteousness that I am in Christ Jesus instead of through the filter of my faults. That doesn't mean I have a license to be faulty. I'm not going to live my life through the filter of sin. That doesn't necessarily give me a license to be sinful. Please understand what I'm trying to help you see is the spirit of truth and not the spirit of error. Praise God. Hallelujah. Would you bow your heads with me for a minute? Father, we are grateful to you for this word, for this revelation, for this way of thinking that you have established since the cross that somehow we're just discovering. Maybe others have discovered it already. Maybe I'm just too hard-headed. But Lord, I thank you that I have become the righteousness of God in what you did at the cross of Calvary. And I choose to live my life focusing on that and not my faults because you looked beyond my faults. You looked beyond my shortcomings and you looked beyond my sins and you saw my needs. And not only that, but you saw me for what I truly am in you. Help us to see that too. Today, as I bring this to an end, I wonder if there's anyone who would say, I need to get saved. I need to get born again. I need, I need this freedom. The Spirit of the Lord is nudging your heart. If you're feeling in your heart some tug, I want you to count it as being the Holy Spirit, not me. I'm just the delivery boy here. But if you need to set your heart right before God, this is your opportunity to do so. So I'm going to ask you to just lift your hand. If, if, if you're saying, Pastor, I need to get saved today, or if you're saying, well, I'm already saved, but I, man, I am so far away from God right now in my own mind, in my own heart. I need, some, I need a recommitment. I need to recover, reboot. Is there anyone who would raise your hand and say, Pastor, just pray for me today because I'm dealing with that in my own life. Thank you, Lord, for doing a work in our life. I left that moment of silence right there on purpose because it's not my words that convince you. It's the Spirit of God. And I could just sense that in some of your hearts you were having a conversation with God.
God loves you. He believes in you. He is truth encapsulated. Choose not to believe in the spirit of error or the lie that the enemy has put on you for so many years. Start choosing to put on the spirit of truth and to be clothed in the garments of righteousness. Give the Lord a praise in the house. Amen. Hallelujah.